Hello, everyone. Welcome to our episode of Pika Science. The weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've got no place to go, let it snow, <laughs> let it snow, let it snow. This December, many places in the Northern Hemisphere are going to be experiencing a lot of snowy conditions. Not me, because I'm living in California, but, you know, the rest of you guys, oh well. Are they actually going to have snow? <laughs> I don't know. With climate change, it's all kind of up in the air, I'm guessing. But you know, some like, places... I tell my kids all the time that like growing up, because uh, my backyard was like eerie growing up, that you know it used to freeze over and stay frozen over. And now it like doesn't even get ice. <laughs> so. That's true. I, I grew up in Miami. <laughs> then I moved to Arizona. Now I live in California. So I've actually, I've experienced snow, but always in passing. In any case, this is a, the very first segue <laughs> into the topic of this episode where we're going to be talking about ice Pokemon, ice structures, and just cold. If that, that's maybe that's not like the best, most sophisticated way of descri- describing what I'm going to, what we're going to be discussing. But basically, <laughs> I've been cold in my house, and now you all are going to reflect and think back with me about cold Pokemon. <laughs> with us today, we have, of course, Madison. Yeah, I'm here. And we have a special guest, right? Yes. Well, my name is Kirsten, and we have a special guest, Allie Van Fleet. Allie, could you please introduce yourself? Hey, yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm Allie. Um, I am a meteorologist, and now I'm a climate scientist for the Weather Channel and Pattern. But yeah, I know a little bit about cold. I you know, didn't grow up with it, but mm-hmm. I do know a lot about it scientifically. So, um, But yeah, it's it's great to be here. Nice. Can you tell us a little bit about, like, you know, you just said you didn't grow, you didn't grow up with the cold. Can you tell us a little bit about, like, you know, who you are, what your training is, and, you know, maybe if you feel comfortable a little bit about, like, your experience with Pokemon? Okay, yeah. I uh, grew up in Texas, so we'd always get ice storms, but never mm-hmm. snow. Um, and I, you know, loved weather as a kid. Uh, Twister is, like, my favorite movie. Uh, anything weather-related, I was a huge nerd about. So, of course, I started studying that. I went to college, and was focusing on atmospheric sciences, then realized, hey, I actually really enjoy climate science. Uh, I mean, weather is my mm-hmm. first love. But Water is uh, your I, first love? Weather, <laughs> sorry. Weather, okay, I heard water. Weather. Mm-hmm. No, weather is my first love, but uh, seeing how everything is changing, I actually switched gears a bit and focused more on geosciences and was able to do some undergrad research with the state climatologist of Texas. And then once I graduated, I moved to Oregon, and that was my first real experience with snow and colder weather. Um, uh-huh. I was a I was a meteorologist up there. And then now I, you know, packed up, moved across the country to Atlanta, where I am now uh, working, covering climate for Pattern and the Weather Channel. But oh, very um, cool. Yeah, I, I, I love it. Honestly, it's it's a it's a mm-hmm. great job. I get to learn everything, something new every day. Um, it's I feel really lucky that I was I've been able to like kind of parlay something that I do in my free time, which is just geek out about science. And and I get to explain that to people. And my experience with Pokemon started as a child, of course. Um, I remember uh, my brothers, of course, were all into the, you know, they all had cards. I started getting into it. My favorite Pokemon as a kid was probably Eevee. I was a big Ooh. Eevee fan. And, but I mean, I was obsessed. I loved Pokemon. We'd watch all the, all the games, we'd have all the games uh, on Game Boy, played all the cards. Um, I think my school actually banned Pokemon cards. From, oh, really? From school. You weren't allowed to bring them. 
but yeah, I grew up with it. Um, I have a friend right now that's trying to convince me to buy the new Switch and start playing mm-hmm. the new games. Uh, she says I'd love oh, it. Oh, but you so. should. Oh, but you should though. I, I, I think it's extremely I worth it. I got mine during co- during deep COVID and um, definitely don't regret it. That's what everyone says is, and I just need to bite the bullet. I just have adult responsibilities to pay for first. <laughs> it's just a bummer growing up. <laughs> Rude. Um, okay, that's good to know. And I, you know, when I think about Eevee and everything, it's kind of funny because they are very elemental Pokemon. Or, I mean, Eevee itself, I guess, is an elemental, but I'm presuming that you're referring to, like, its ability to, you know, switch into what are really kind of, like, weather and climate-like climate elements, right? Like, they've all, like, the traditional ones involved into Vaporeon, which is water, and then, you know, um, and Jolteon, which is, like, electricity, and then Flareon, which yeah. is fire, and those, to me, sound like very weather-like. Yeah. qualities if i'm not mistaken uh, all the ev evolutions minus uh umbreon and sylveon though there's speculation that that's why they are what they are um mm-hmm. all of them are based on the original special stat mm-hmm. so prior to gen 4 there was no special uh special physical split so certain typings use certain stats so water is it water electric fire uh grass psychic dark and i think the last one is dragon it's the only one that they haven't used for Eevee yet. Oh, no, and ice. And mm-hmm. those are all the special types before they split the stats. Hmm. So. Um, okay. And then, so, so you, you said that you. That's why they seem <laughs> elemental. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I, I guess for me, I think of like their analogs as being kind of like Zapdos, uh, Articuno, and um, Moltres, right? Like they're also like kind of the weather Pokemon. And if I'm not mistaken, the first few movies, they were like the explanation behind all these crazy weird weather patterns. Um, and I'm actually, I mean, I'm actually a little, yeah, um, I'm, I'm pretty curious actually. Um, so you, like you said that, you know, you incorporate a lot of like science into your day to day life, but I'm kind of curious, like, what do you, what does like the life of a meteorologist, like a day in the life of a meteorologist look like an average day for you? I mean, there's, there's different kinds of meteorologists, but for me, um, I wait, well, what I'm doing now, I focus more on climate, uh, climate research and explaining different and how weather and climate intersect. But when I was a meteorologist, it started off very early. Uh, I'd have mm-hmm. to be at the station at, you know, 3 a.m. most days. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, I just would look through different data. I'd, you know, look to see what the National Weather Service was doing. We'd always leave notes behind from the meteorologist on the shift before. But um, really picking out... Uh, um, what I believed people would want to know. So it was kind of yeah. cool. I got to, you know, kind of incorporate storytelling. And then I also got to make my own graphics, which was, you know, creative art, which I loved. So, I, but I, for the most I, part right now, it's it's just reading up, uh, doing story pitches, you know, figuring out how to best uh, help people grapple with these previously once in a lifetime events happening more often now. And mm-hmm. I don't think I mentioned this, but when I was a kid, I was actually really three. I loved weather always, but I was also very terrified of it. And the anxious part of me was like, I need to figure out everything that I can about this so that Uh I know how to defend it. And I think that quells a lot of my anxiety um, with climate change. These changes that we're seeing that like scientifically, we know what's going on. Like there's no scientific reason. It's just then once you get into there's no scientific reason why we can't prevent temperatures. Like going off into a tangent, but yeah, uh, it, it then you start getting into the social and um, political part, which is also a little mm-hmm. <laughs> very frustrating. But the science part, um, it helps me understand because it's like 
okay, I understand A leads to B, which then C happens. And Mm -hmm. it makes, it makes more sense in my head. Oh, very cool. Um, Oh, that's that's awesome. That's great to know. So I'm actually, so I I don't want to, I don't want to, I do want us to go to the first topic, but I'm actually, I just really want to quickly know what kind of stuff you consider most interesting to, you said like you decide what the people probably want to know. What kind of stuff do you think they want to know? I mean, whenever I would forecast weather, I mean, obviously the temperatures, like what, what are the highs going to be around that day? What, you know? Yeah. And then I think about um, kind of planning people's day. Like what is the average person in this area doing like at six o'clock or a Friday night football game or sports event or um, what do they need to know? Or, or if there's like a big, like on the West coast, you have atmospheric rivers that come through. Mm-hmm. What are some cool stats about, honestly, Selfishly, I just think like what I I'm going to talk about what I think is cool. (laughs) And it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is like, you know, explaining what an atmospheric river is, how they form. Um, You know, I also love looking at stats like people love. I shouldn't I shouldn't generalize. I love (laughs) records and I love numbers and I love seeing like, oh, this area had this rate of rainfall drop and it broke all these different records. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, you know, what I find you know, if I think it's interesting, someone else has to think it's interesting, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. <laughs> so the next topic that I want to go on is going to be about snowflakes. Hey. What? Hey. What? Don't you call me a snowflake. <laughs> I'll call you. As John Cleese said, being empathetic does not make one weak. It makes one strong. The lack of I empathy think... makes one weak. I'm like, okay with being sensitive about certain things. I think it's okay to have feelings. But evolutionary theory would say that as a society, it is more important to have empathy than it is to have individualism. So screw you, Ayn Rand. You're the real snowflake. (laughs) Um, Okay. So as you guys can infer, because Ali is here with us today, of course, I'm not talking about the term that some conservatives use for liberals and talking about the actual snowflakes. Personally, I've never seen the snowflake like in real life. I mean, you know, like the ice crystal structure. Um, so I was just reading about them, like, ooh, it sounds cool. Um, never seen what? them fall? Like, no. Never seen a snowflake fall? No. Huh. Do you want to fly out here and come snowboarding with us? Um, I'd be down when I have, uh, more time and more money. Okay, hi, hi, hi. We'll be back. Back, cool. Um, uh, but in any case, I mean, I'll, 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 I'll survive for now. But I am excited that Ali is here, so Ali can tell us all about snowflakes and how they form and there's a very specific lead in that I have for this like you'll, you guys will see um so Ali do you mind maybe talking to us a little bit about you know about snowflakes and like to. what makes them and just you know what what is well we can start with what is a snowflake really um so a snowflake is a structure where it's just honestly it's just ice crystals clump you know grouped together on this tiny little microscopic piece of dust or pollen um, and they mm-hmm. fall from the sky frozen water essentially but uh how they form is the air around us contains a lot of water vapor so if you think mm-hmm. about air as like a as, as fluid you know it's made up of different uh different molecules and um, one of those molecules is water vapor or h2o high up in the sky if the air is cold enough uh and there's enough moisture in there. So if you have a humid moisture, or just like a humid air pocket, mm-hmm. um, and it gets cold enough, that water vapor can transition from, so, you know, there's different states of water, you know, solid, liquid, gas. 
that water vapor can actually go from a gas state to a solid state without being liquid in between. And that can happen several different ways. The cooling can happen um, like either when you have that air pocket rising to higher temperatures, um, that part's not important. Let me, let me slow down. <laughs> so basically when you have a colder pocket of air, um, those air mm-hmm. molecules or those water molecules, um, they huddle together kind of like, a, I like to imagine it as, you know, they're huddling together for warmth and warmer air, they expand a bit. So they're trying to, you know, don't want to be too close to you because it's really hot. But once you have uh, that colder air, those uh, water molecules, they're clumped closer together. And then you also have tiny bits of microscopic dust, pollen, ash, what what have you. Um, when the air mm-hmm. is cold enough, those tiny, like I said, when the air is cold enough, uh, those uh, the water vapor can change into a solid state. And those crystals jump on to essentially stick to those tiny microscopic dust uh, particles. And it will continue to grow as more and more as they bump into each other, um, more and more stick to it and eventually become too heavy and fall out of the cloud. And that's when you start to see snowfall or snowflake. Now, I, I know that's false because also children also can be turned into water molecules and uh, form into <laughs> snowflakes and raindrops. I learned this on the documentary series the magic school bus. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love Miss Frizzle. <laughs> but I, I do have a question for you. So why 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 are they symmetrical? Why, why don't snowflakes come out looking like weird, you know, like hieroglyphs or yeah, you know, giant runes? Why why are they symmetrical? That's an excellent question. Um, yeah. so it has to do with the molecular structure of H two O. So it's two hydrogens and one oxygen, um, and they form like a V shape. And you have the, well, this is a podcast, but essentially Mm -hmm. if you're looking at your fingers making the peace sign, the end of your index and middle finger are hydrogens and Mm -hmm. the uh, middle part at the base of your, at at the bottom of your finger is the oxygen. And without getting too specific into it, um, the Water molecules are polar, meaning they have positive ends and a negative end. So the positive parts are hydrogen and the oxygen is uh, negative. And if you know with like batteries, opposites attract and it's just easier um, for the the V-shaped molecules to, you know, connect with the, yeah, to connect with, uh, to connect with the um, positive, the negatives and the positives. It, it just, it makes it easier. So if you have these V shapes, the negative is going to attach to the positive hydrogen and you start to see this structure form and it creates that hexagonal pattern that we all, you know, is very familiar. And, um, no, I'm sure you've all heard that no two snowflakes are the same. They're all very wrong, right? That's a myth, right? I don't believe that's a myth. Oh, I thought mathematically that was impossible. You know, that is actually a really good question. I've... I thought mathematically, like fingerprints, it was actually impossible. Interesting. For snowflakes only... to, be, to all be different or to be the same? Yeah, because there's only there's only going to be so many combinations within that a is... confined set of rules that at yeah. some point the rules would have to repeat based on probability. I mean, you're, you are you have a stats background too, Kirsten. Like I would imagine that's how it would work, right? That makes mm-hmm. sense. There's not an infinite number of solutions, are there? I don't know. I was always told they're all different. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you know what? I mean, also, they also 
teach kids that everyone learns differently and some are visual, some are audio, some are like that. And that's complete bull crap too. So who knows? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you have, so you have these, these structures that, that, you know, link right. up and, and create that hexagonal pattern that we know. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they're all different uh, based on, you know, temperature, humidity, how they fall through the atmosphere. So they're super high up. If they fall through a warmer layer, um, even by a few degrees, it can alter the shape and the form of them. Uh, mm-hmm. So not only is the process uh, impacted by the actual structure itself, but like where and how far to, uh, also impact, and then also the amount of molecules that attach as well. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of variables going into this. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's very, it's very confusing. <laughs> but so, um, what makes them distinct? What do you mean? Like the different shapes and... Yeah. So why are they so different then? Just from what I was saying, the humidity, it just, it all, that kind of like apparently the structure that aligns, we're going to be getting into like the actual way that water freezes, I guess, which I'm not as familiar mm-hmm. uh, to be honest with that, but something about the little, they're called dendrils or dendrites, I think, or the little, the little frosty arms that cut that you mm-hmm. see on something. Like the branches. Do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, so it's impacted by the temperature as well as the height. Yes. Mm-hmm. And okay. um, ha- again, it also, probably depends as well on what nuclei they stick to. Like, so what little surface they freeze to, they need that little that surface. I mean, that makes sense as someone that likes to cook, like, you know, that your boiling point changes depending on your elevation as well. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, that does make sense. And it also makes sense that <clears throat> if you think about it, uh, that when you're putting like a bottle of water in the freezer, the mm-hmm. temperature or the freezer itself, mm-hmm. as well as how long the bottle is in there, does impact the type of ice you get. Like, is it one solid chunk? Is it a slushy? Mm-hmm. Is it just like a big mess? Uh, did it's, it explode because you don't know what you're doing and you just ruined your freezer? Like, all the options. It's also interesting with um, snow, with eventually like snowflakes. Um, yeah. The, again, what I was saying, like, depending on um, how high up they are and then the different layers, the temperature, because the temperature isn't constant going down, you're going to have some yeah. variations. Uh, as it falls down, if it falls through a warmer layer, it's going to melt a little bit and then, um, but refreeze as it refreezes, as it continues down. And that's when you have wet snow, but if it's really cold all the way through, you have dry snow, which is what snowboarders and skiers really want. Yes, it is. Uh, (laughs) But like, if you want to make a snowman, you want that wet, you want that wet snow. Oh, interesting. So Hmm. connecting that to Pokemon then. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. We have this guy called Cryognal, mm-hmm. uh, who was introduced in Generation 5. He is a giant snowflake. Mm-hmm. If I'm um, not mistaken, also, this was around when people were, like people started getting upset about the new Pokemon designs, if I'm not mistaken. Nope. No, no, Gen 4 too. Gen 3 as well. I'm old enough mm-hmm. to remember that. Mm-hmm. Okay, also, please continue. Gen 2. Gen, Gen 2, I remember like you know certain magazines being like, Pokemon's going too far. Look at this steel type. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think, you know, old people just get nostalgic and don't like change in general. Yeah. Like this will oh, never be Charizard. And we're like, yeah, it won't. Okay. <laughs> I'm tired of Charizard. Give me, give me. I love Charizard. I mean, he's okay, but like, give me a billion adaptations of Swampert here. Cause I want, I want me more Swampert. True. I <laughs> uh, hey, please continue. Well, no, I was going to say like, I know you, you wrote the script here, so I do want to give you credit here, but I know Cryognol has like this chain of ice in its mouth, right? I, which I guess it uses for hunting because apparently it's it's a predator, uh, which is 
weird. Uh, it, but... it looks scary enough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do predators actually want to look terrifying? Uh, I, I mean, I, I know Lila yeah. just did a whole uh, predator thing. I think that was the panel we no. uploaded. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I don't know, from watching Twilight, I'm pretty sure they're, like, vampires. <laughs> attractive to lure you in. So how does, like, a chain of ice, uh, imp- like, like how does that connect to, like, real life uh, snow and ice then? Like, the idea of it having a chain. Is that just, like, what you're talking about, like, the way they connect positive to negative? I would imagine so. Like, that's okay. what I- or Or if it, like, somehow or another freeze, like, mm-hmm. that's how you can also get a chain. Like, if it freezes and then, or melts and refreezes together, maybe. Mm-hmm. There's some okay. way. Yeah. But that, I was, I was just thinking, like, that uh, using a chain of ice to hunt. Um, mm-hmm. But all of that would have to happen in his mouth or their mouth. Uh-huh. His mouth. <laughs> maybe he's got a cold mouth. Maybe. <laughs> Um, I actually have a question. So it says um, when I, the Pokedex entry, according to my note, says it's uh, it's made of ice crystals, which resembles a shiny blue hexagonal snowflake. And I'm just curious: can snowflakes be blue? Is that a thing? Ooh, yeah. That is a great question. I mean, the color of snowflakes can also depend on um, again the uh, what what's m- the composition of the atmosphere at the time. So if you have like really polluted skies, mm-hmm. I would imagine it probably alters the color. But the color of ice does change as well, um, depending on uh, how how many air bubbles are in there. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know. Well, I, I do know this. I do know this, that uh, during the Industrial Revolution, uh, when it snowed, I think it was in Pittsburgh, actually. And, and Anna, you can correct me uh, if I'm wrong. Uh, I know you love Pittsburgh, but uh, I, I think because the city was so dirty, I thought it snowed black snow uh, once or twice. Makes sense. Because there was so much pollution in the air from the steel industry that like so there much, was, yeah, yeah, that it like essentially as it snowed, stuff was like kind of black. That would make sense because I mean everything, um, even air pollution in general, um, like water just needs that surface to yeah, mm-hmm. like and how that's how clouds form as well. Um, you'll have different color clouds depending on um, the amount of air molecules in there. But yeah, if there's if there's a lot of part, it's called particulate matter. But if there's a lot of particulate matter in the air from fire, ash, soot, um, smokestacks, chimneys. I could see it changing the color of snow. Groudon, sure. Kyogre. Yeah. <laughs> your natural disasters. Right. <laughs> the reason your insurance premiums are so high. Yes. <laughs> On that, just kind of kind of tying it together, what you said, I there's another, there's a bunch of different Pokedex definitions and everything, but one of them is when its body heat rises, it will turn into steam and vanish, but it will revert to ice when the body temperature lowers. So this really ties into, I think, what you were saying about, like, you know, the phase transition to create mm-hmm. snowflakes in the first place. Um, but also, one thing I just want us to reflect on is, what does a steam cragonal look like? <laughs> is it just... A regional variant coming next year in the Australia game. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um... <laughs> But also, like, could it be that if if the molecules in it are okay? So I don't know. I think of uh, I don't know if you know the anime uh, Akira, uh, but I uh, was it. Sorry, I'm gonna say it the English Akira, <laughs> I, most famous animated film of all time. Uh, mm-hmm. Just just that thing. Uh, but like the whole concept in the beginning of the the film version, at least not the book version, but the film version is that what if an atom could retain the information from the big bang itself and what if information Hmm. could be passed down throughout you know because you know essentially atoms aren't destroyed they're repurposed 
And so is that like what happens to Cryagonal? Like all of the atoms in it are just living and as it like repurposes, so then like would each one essentially have memories of different Cryagonals? And would this be like that weird Rick and Morty episode that happened this year where Jerry and Rick's brains got scrambled and like each Cryagonal then has fractured memories from other Cryagonals? Ooh. And then you could probably have like some really dark Cryagonals or like <laughs> with like really deep pasts. <laughs> all the trauma of melting and unmelting yeah. i'm sure it's, i'm sure it's not pleasant i'm sure it's not a comfortable experience changing like like the the melting and the and the reforming of ice but um or i think of uh i don't know if you know spider-man but there's a villain called hydro-man yeah uh and there's that there was a, a in the 90s there was a run where mary jane had been replaced with a, a hydro version of herself so like it was water, but it had all the memories of Mary Jane. That was in the second. Okay, and we were. Uh, that was in the second Frozen. Apparently, water has memory. Like, it, it's yeah, like yeah. theory. Like, and they were talking about like yep. water having memory, and that's how <laughs> she was able to talk to her mom or some. I don't remember. I need to watch. That's it why again. my that's why my ten year old hates that movie because she's like, this is stupid. Now I'm done. <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> I love Lila. She's great. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also wondering if if Cragnall is steam. How does Cragnall hunt? Is he a predator still? <laughs> Starvation I mean, mode. The, pre- the predator is invisible, so maybe. <clears throat> My only other question would be then, like, would it be important that they're all Cragnalls would look different? Should they all look different? I think they should all look different, but mm-hmm. I can understand as, you know, the animators probably don't want them to be all different. <laughs> okay, so okay. Uh, let's move on to a different Pokemon though, really quick, because I know we have a few other things we're going to talk about here, but uh, Regice, which mm-hmm. is a, literally a giant ice crystal. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I know uh, Kirsten asked about blue ice, right? Yeah. Well, actually, while like as a as a natural segue on the topic of red ice, I just want to describe everyone this funny meme that I saw, which is a picture of a recycling bin, a compost bin, and a normal trash bin, and next to it there's a picture of red ice for the recycling, Reggie Rock, and then Reggie Steel. Um, I'll, I'll link, we'll, we'll link this in the Twitter thing. I just find it very funny. But yeah, no, so leading into Red Dice and like, you know, you were describing like the formation of ice crystals and everything. And you were talking about, um, you know, like how, so like, you know, you, when you're describing like how ice can turn blue and everything, um, I do think that that, you know, when we look at Red Dice, it is considered like a blue Pokemon. So it was just interesting kind of seeing how that uh, answer might relate to the color of Red Dice. But I, I just wanted to talk a little bit and just sort of speculate as to, what what's the deal with red dice because the the pokedex according to the pokedex it's a large blue pokemon composed of solid antarctic ice it has four spikes on its back and its two legs are conical and it balances its entire body on their points um, and it moves around by floating in the air and it cloaks itself in air that is minus 200 degrees celsius and anything near it will become frozen so this might sound a little bit weird but and, and i maybe this is deviating a little bit from the script we initially had but what do, what do you expect to happen at minus 200 degrees Celsius? I couldn't even comprehend. I just imagine that, you know, that's a movie day after tomorrow where, which uh-huh. very, it's an inaccurate movie, but like mm-hmm. the, whole, the whole point of like minus 200 degrees Celsius. Mm-hmm. Let me do a little quick math. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's negative 328 Fahrenheit. Um, uh-huh. Ooh. Uh, Is that cold? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. I've never, I don't want to, I don't want to try to experience it, but I would imagine, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I honestly, I couldn't even imagine what would happen. Um, pipes probably would burst, I'm sure. Because <laughs> all the water in your body would, um, would crystallize. 
Maybe. I, I maybe it's a little gruesome for our audience. Yeah, I was gonna say like I'm not I'm not a medical person. I'm not I don't really know mm-hmm. much about about my body. Like, well, beyond like the normal things, but uh, as far as a fro like how a person's body freezes, I would mm-hmm. you probably yeah you'd probably freeze to death real quick. <laughs> Just instant like sublimation. That's what I was saying. It reminds me of like, that scene in in Day After Tomorrow where the pilot like. Mm-hmm the storm comes over and the pilot, you know, freezes because it's, it's like negative. It's like minus around that, like minus 200 degrees. And mm-hmm. I guess Quaid has to go find his son. So yeah, no, it does sound extremely, extremely cold. And one thing that I kind of noticed is that, you know, as opposed to, as opposed to Kriganol, which has this like kind of hexagonal structure, like, a, you know, it's like six points, kind of like what you expect. Kriganol looks very, sorry, Red Ice looks really different. Red Ice looks more like a diamond i would say like you know the kind of thing you put like on an engagement ring and i'm wondering you know why does red ice look that way as opposed to criminal which has like six points it seems like red ice is more like a kind of traditional diamond like structure i'm wondering if you could comment on that yeah is well really quick isn't um red ice he's a it's a glacier right like that's the whole it's technically supposed to be a glacier i thought well i think he's made of glacial ice Oh, this is like getting real nerdy. <laughs> it's isn't, like real isn't glacial ice different than ice crystals from the sky. I think so. So how glaciers form? It's glaciers are basically layers of snow that have been compressed to create these thick sheets of ice. And uh, if they break off, then they're you know a glacier um, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But uh, usually you'll have snow that falls down, and mm-hmm. as that snow goes up, it's really really heavy. So the snow that layer that's on the bottom it creates that ice sheet. But uh, as far as, um, I mean, glaciers typically in, in, in real life, whenever they do break off of the main ice sheet, um, of the main ice structure, they're not as, they're not that pretty. <laughs> um, they're not mm-hmm. as, uh, as symmetrical, I guess, but. They're kind of like jagged, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. They're like just jagged pieces of ice just floating mm-hmm. around. And the different like that's really all I can comment on that because <laughs> mm-hmm. they also like carry sediment too I mean that's erosion yeah. like glaciers are not mm-hmm. clear see-through pretty things like they're dirty and gross and have rocks or sometimes bones or sometimes mm-hmm. like, fossils like they have all sorts of crap in them oh so yeah maybe maybe Reg I should have like some like you know some skeleton in there yeah rough them up a bit <laughs> yeah maybe maybe like like uh like a ooze from D and D, maybe he should have like like a fox skeleton in one of his legs. That'd be really cool. Be really cool to see like different because you know we do use glaciers to look back at past climate um, because of whatever was you know frozen in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be really cool to see like I you know some kind of fox, some kind of maybe like skull. It'd be really cool. Maybe that should be our next sticker: is red ice with uh, bones in it. <laughs> um. So actually, so I'm guessing as a meteorologist, Ali, you probably don't deal with a lot of molten lava or magma. Do you? I don't know. Not really. I mean, I've I dealt I've dealt with like it's mostly what comes out of a volcano, like the the ash uh-huh. and the gases. But okay, that I, makes that makes a lot more sense. I really do with magma. A lot. In any case, I, so I just want to draw attention to another Pokedex entry, which says that. Regis can survive when submerged in molten lava or other extremely hot temperatures. And just based on your knowledge, based on your knowledge of, you know, just cold and weather and just, you know, the physical structure of atoms, does that, what, what do you think about that? Would you expect anything to survive molten lava? 
I wouldn't expect yes, a red Pierce giant. Bronson. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't expect Regice to survive that. If anything, um if he did drop, like if you just had like a pool of magma probably, I'm imagining mm-hmm. if he dropped, uh there'd probably be some kind of not explosion, but you'd have a burst well, of Yeah. Yeah. It would be an explosion, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, I get I when I think explosion, I think of like human-made explosions with like but it would be mm-hmm. it'd be the the molecules shifting so this one i do know because again when you and i are talking before we start recording the dude that i wanted to be our physicist on on cast uh he's done a few panels with us uh and him and i had we had talked about that at a convention before about like how the heat would actually cause the molecules to explode like that because of the rapid temperature shift yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Imagine it's it, kind of- an expansion right Just, it'd be a huge it'd be a huge noise it'd be a huge be yeah. a big piece. But I wouldn't expect them to survive, honestly. No. Well, because I know like with humans, you, the reason you can't go near lava wouldn't be that you'd burn to death. It's that you, you're, it, the oxygen inside your lungs would be cooked before anything else. Like you would, Ooh. or like it, the molecules in your body, like you would, you would die before you even touch the lava. Yeah, I would imagine. Yep. Well, especially this, with all the noxious, the the gases yeah. that are also coming off of that. Like I've seen uh-huh. technologists having to really suit up before they go anywhere near magma. Yep. Yeah, red I, ice I would think, explode. <laughs> red ice would explode. That would be it. That that, that would happen. <laughs> would not survive ten out of ten. Uh, can we talk about my least favorite boat though? Now what? Yeah, because we're gonna talk about icebergs. <laughs> My least favorite boat, the 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 attribute and homage to capitalism and its desire to save cost over protect people's lives. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. How how much do we romanticize that stupid like that stupid a testament to capitalism? No, I mean here? no, I mean I mean you're totally right. I guess I haven't I haven't really reflected on it on it for a while. So <laughs> but when well, you, when it's you funny put it to that me, way, like as true. a kid, I loved the Titanic. Like I loved learning yeah. about that. But like Lila mm-hmm. is such her empathy level is just so insane to me that like we'll talk about something like that and she'll be like why are people interested in this story this sounds like a really awful thing like the company should have just made sure there was more, more lifeboats like yeah i guess you're right yeah <laughs> there's really no romance to be seen there it's more of a oh gosh companies are evil and now we have billionaires go never mind hey go i just think it's not submarine this summer yeah <laughs> Uh, so together. Uh, we we have two new uh, ice Pokemon here. Uh, the the they came in Gen six. Uh, they're known as Bergmite and Avalog. Mm. Uh, so we have uh, Avalog actually has two different regional forms. So uh, in one region, it will have more of that clear ice, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like an iceberg. Uh, and then the other form has the earth trapped in it, which is kind of like we were just talking about that glaciers are not clean, sediment and dirt. Mm-hmm. So I guess, Allie, do you, can you, do, can you tell me? And if, if not, that's fine. Uh, but like, how, how do icebergs form? You know, we were talking about glaciers and how glaciers form and um, glaciers, they'll have like these ice shelves that extend out on top of the ocean. And occasionally they'll, they'll break or they'll calf. Uh, cav- it's called calving, um, calving, calving. Ooh. They break off and they just float mm-hmm. and they, you know, and that's essentially an iceberg. Um, and they're just created, again, it's it's basically an ice sheet that's just broken off, like a little mm-hmm. ice cube floating around the, uh, floating around the ocean. Mm-hmm. Super nice. Um, I saw, I saw, a, I saw a few names on the internet for like types of different iceberg, icebergs. I just want to share with you guys, which is a one was Growler, which I found really funny. 
Oh. Um, I saw one referred to as Bergie Bit, Brash Ice, and Ice Melange, which I just I just wanted to share because especially the Growler and the Bergie Bit, I thought that was hilarious. Can you tell us why icebergs float? Obviously, this is a this was like one of the major reasons that the Titanic went under. Um, can you like tap into your knowledge of, like the chemistry of water and talk about that a little bit? Um, so ice has a slightly lower density than seawater. Mm-hmm. And because, so basically whenever, you know, snow is essentially fresh water, it's not salt water. And whenever you have uh, a giant hunk of ice that's just made of fresh water, it is, it's, it's less dense than seawater. So it just kind of, it, it, that's why you see a lot of it floating, floating on the ocean. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that That's essentially, that's essentially why, why you see a lot of it floating on the surface of the ocean or why you see, um, why you see them floating on the surface of the ocean. We also wanted to just, so in gen six, we introduced the Pokemon Bergmite and Avalog, uh, Avalog, don't know, don't, no idea. And so we have Avalog that does show like the glacier forms, which, which we've seen because it's, it's a, I think it's, it's ground ice type, I think. And it has like, earth. and then the other one is just like pure ice. And I know in the games, uh, because the newer games are all like more open world. So where you find them too, also it depends on the type as well. I know in uh, Sword and Shield, like the pure ice Avalog was floating like an iceberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would find it just kind of floating in the sea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not really, but I know the the ground one kind of, you know, more like a glacier kind of moving across land. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I know, and I, I do like that they added it and made it dirty, kind of fitting like we had talked about that glaciers are not mm-hmm. pretty. Yeah. yeah, and I did notice that uh, the original Avalog has kind of like a, um, it was a, not hexagonal, but like it's, it's a, I mean, it's like a snowflake on top, the way the, the crystals, and we talked about that, have to do with the but way they're kind water of, crystals, Yeah, I, like uh, kind of form. janky looking. Uh, which, good job, Nintendo. You guys got a few things, right, every now and then? <laughs> like a broken clock. Um, but I know that's not necessarily your real house, but I'm happy you get to talk a little bit with us about glaciers, at least, because that was a big one for us. I, I did mm-hmm. want to go on though really quick here uh, because I know uh, Kirsten's not as much as a competitive person uh, with Pokemon as I am. And I did want to talk about, I, I know you had sent us some of your notes about hail. Mm-hmm. So I did want to talk about mm-hmm. hail for a minute because especially in competitive Pokemon, hail is a, is a real thing. And uh, now that we have uh, all sorts of weather conditions in Pokemon, yeah, it really impacts the competitive scene because uh, weather tends to be an actual focus for many uh, team formations. Mm-hmm. And in our most recent game, uh, we actually did get uh, snow. So they replaced hail with snow. So wait, the actual weather conditions or the... Uh, yeah, so uh, we have... Condition? Yeah, so here's essentially how it works. Uh, in uh, the third series of games uh, in Gen 3, uh, Kyogre and Groudon ha- introduce weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyogre makes it rain and Groudon makes it have a drought. And those actually do have in-game effects. So in rain, um, the move thunder mm-hmm. guaranteed to hit because right. water conducts electricity. Uh, there's also Pokemon who have abilities. Like if it's raining, they move faster or they regain health. Uh, so there's things like that, or like in drought, fire type moves are stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's things like that that make sense. Like plant types, when it's harsh sunlight in a drought, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. Uh, 
they can sometimes, you know, regain energy faster to like solar beams of one turn move rather than two. Right. Uh, so we had hail. Interesting. And well, because the original three were uh, sunlight, rain, sandstorms, and hail. Mm-hmm. And we we had we had hail, and hail was really cool. It was um, any Pokemon that's not an ice type takes one sixteenth damage each turn. Oh. <laughs> so I liked hail because it was kind of like a damaging effect. But what they did was they changed it to snow in this game, and anyone who has <coughs> uh so snow what it does was it create increase the defense type or the def- sorry snow increases the defense of ice pokemon by 50 percent, and i think it was kind of like a, a homage to like evasiveness in the snow uh a little bit different or the idea of that it's like compacting but i know you sent us notes on hail which is why i want to talk about it because like how is hail different from snow because um, I'm 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 a little salty. They got rid of hail. I'm not gonna lie. I'm, I'm a little salty. I'm actually curious. Like, so they the the main difference between hail and snow is the conditions that they form under. So they form under entirely different atmospheric conditions. Um, hail is typically associated with severe thunderstorms. <laughs> so you have these supercells that come in, and they have really big, strong updrafts. Uh, so you have a lot of wind. Um, you know, you'll have a ton of rain that falls down and you'll have these powerful updrafts that, you know, through the circulation of the storm and everything, uh, those raindrops are lifted to way high in the sky. So like above the freezing level and they freeze and they, you know, depending on how strong the thunderstorm is, they can stay up there because those updrafts are so, so powerful and they may bump into other ones. They may clump together. Um, but either way, when these, these ice pellets, these ice, uh, the, the hail, when they become too heavy, they fall out. And, um, the, uh, obviously the stronger the storm, the stronger the updrafts, the bigger the hailstones will be. Um, whereas what we were saying earlier about snowflakes forming, um, that can happen, uh, due to a lot of things like geographic, uh, location, this cloud could move over a mountain. It's, you don't really see so hail is just pretty much associated with severe thunderstorms, which is why I'm curious. Uh, you said it 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 helped out ice type Pokemon's more. So it's like they had different effects. Hail damaged anything that wasn't ice type, and then snow gives them like a boost to their defense. Because huh. I would imagine it would if it if they're associated with like severe thunderstorms that the Pokemon who did better with uh, rainy conditions or would benefit from hail. But I could. I think the idea was that like hail damages property. Yeah. Kind of like you know with golf ball size hails hitting cars. Yeah, yeah. So the idea was that like ice types being made of ice were somehow impervious. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, that's the main difference is is in general how they how they form like ice crystals. You can have different types of uh, different type of snow that falls uh, based on temperature profile through the atmosphere, Um, like what we mentioned earlier. But yeah, hail is is really just frozen raindrops clumped together and then fall out when they get too heavy. So realistically, then we should have both hail and snow in the uh, in, in the, the game. game. Yes, yeah. Realistically, because we had uh, we had hail for many many years, and they just replaced it with snow this year. Huh. <laughs> Weird. 
Well, now I'm wondering, yeah. like, is there, because I know that like you can have severe thunder, you can have thunderstorms with snow, like thunder snow. Um, I'm wondering if hail, but I guess it would depend on. Well, so they, they gave the, uh, like, they gave the battle effects depending on the type again, like sandstorm uh, damages anything that's not rock ground or steel. And the idea that it's like weathering essentially. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I guess that's what it was. It was, I guess hail and sandstorms were kind of like weathering. Mm-hmm. And then the only other one they introduced that is important would be like they did they did introduce like strong winds, oh. uh, yeah. Which I guess it allowed it like it essentially boosts uh, flying types to make them essentially the idea is like they're moving faster so they don't take as much damage from rock, electric, or ice moves. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I, I like that they they implement weather and into that and like how that could because that realistically, if this was a real a real world, yeah. That, have an impact on it like well and a lot of a lot of competitive teams are based around like specific weather types mm-hmm. it is actually a, like a really viable and commonly used strategy i like it so any year that we're allowed to use kyogre and groudon mm-hmm. you see kyogre and groudon on like most teams heck yeah so it's it's kind of like a big thing um before you go into this competitions do you know the weather like do you know the so setup? it's 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 again like this is done like on the switch or the ds so it's mm-hmm. when you do competitive you have your six uh and then when you go to battle an opponent you see their six and you mm-hmm. each have to pick four. Oh, okay so you kind of have an idea of what they are probably going to bring and mm-hmm. they're going to adapt based upon what you bring as well right interesting because yeah. like my like lila used to play competitive and hers was always uh she always did rain Y'all are really set, like selling me on this switch. I need to just buy it. It's such an like honestly, I I know a lot of people didn't like love it, but there were, and I'm not gonna say there weren't things about the newest game that I didn't like, but also like I'm not naive. Like a lot of the people out there who are like, well, it's not the same as I was a kid, and it's like, well, dude, you're also like 38 now. Yeah. Like what? What? Yeah. Like you? You also used to like Disney Channel original movies. Like try watching them now. <laughs> <laughs> And I and I'm just gonna, I'm saying that as someone that has done that with my five year old and watched them and been like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. I want to jam a nail in my head. How did I like this as a child? <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> How did I think the effect, the special effects were so good? Yeah, yeah. How did I think Halloween Town looked good again? What? Yeah. <laughs> what? what? And I think a lot of times we miss that. That like it's not necessarily the games. I, I think in general, if you're a ten year old, the games are the newer games are not any harder or easier than the old games. Mm-hmm. I know, like for my, for Lila, she finds them harder because it's open world and it's more choices, and she's like, "Well, I don't know where to go next." Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like when she's played the old games, like she has Let's Go Eevee, she's like, oh, "No, this is great. I know where to go. It's telling me where to go next." <laughs> so, <More like> that. <laughs> yeah, which it makes more sense for a kids' game. But I know there's complaints about it. But the newest games, honestly, I did love. They were some of my favorite. I loved the interaction with the environment. I loved how open world it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt more real. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. So they've I, done I a pretty just, good job with it. I just need to pull the trigger and do it. <laughs> I don't know. I love our switches. I'm happy we have them. Well, I think that that wraps up our episode. Thank you, or like all the questions that I had at least. Thank you so much, Ali, for for coming on and being a part of this. It was like really fun learning about like you know a your life as a meteorologist and just like kind of getting your perspective on you know how these different Pokemon could function in a real life kind of context. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't. <laughs> I really appreciate y'all having me on. They can't. TPCI doesn't understand physics or chemistry at all. (laughs) Okay. Well, with that, I'm I'm Kirsten. Oh, I'm Madison, I guess. And Allie. 
And I'm Allie. <laughs> Yay. Th- thank you so much, everyone. Okay. With that, uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for coming. Bye. Thanks for coming. Bye.